It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. We're settled with me, Bram, and with me, per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxine. How's it going? And my boy and producer, MT. What's up, Dub Nation? Gentlemen, it is just us. No guest. We have some studio space to explore on what's a pretty fucking frustrating portion of the Warriors season. So frustrating. No time for bullshit introductions going back and forth. Let's hop right in to our glass half full. You guys will remember, it's where we look back at recent Warriors basketball. Give me something you like or don't like. Marcus, you seem to be the most optimistic amongst us. You're the guy who can kind of pull a diamond out of an ashtray. So do that here, man. What do you got? Do you have anything you like about what's happening? Um, It's Uh-oh. tough. Two Oof. to five homestand. Three games under 500, getting blown out at home. I think the, the the one the diamond I'll try to pull out for for you and anybody who appreciates it is, um, we've had very few games this season where we've had our full complement, our full roster healthy and available. So um, you know that's usually the way it goes. It's it's rare for you to have um, access and you know every player available on your roster, but you know we've had a particularly tumultuous time um trying to get everybody on the same page um since you know start of the season so um i think it's i don't think we're going to have the luxury to evaluate and wait for everybody to get healthy before we probably make some moves but um i do think when healthy that this roster is better than our record indicates what so incredibly well phrased and what I thought was the most impressive portion of that was the end. So we used to, like when we ventured into this, and maybe like rewind the clock about three weeks ago, that sentence would have ended with, and they're much better, and they're going to get back into title contention. And instead, you're like, nope, they're better than a team that's three games under 500. Uh, <laughs> At least two games above 500. Yeah, shit, man. Um, I don't want to take away your venting ability. Are there things you don't like that you want to throw into the mic? Um. A lot. It's just, you know, the the turnovers continue to plague us. It feels like we don't believe that we should even be in games a lot of times, which is frustrating. Um, and I just on paper and you feel like the roster should be better than the way we're playing. So it's frustrating that we, we aren't winning. I know we still have a, you know, tough strength of schedule and, you know, again, the injuries, as I mentioned, and we've been in a ton of close games. Like I think the most clutch games, five points or less out of any team in the, in the league, but it's just, it's frustrating because you look at the team on paper and aside from a few off shooting nights from Steph and clay, we should have, we should have a better record and we just don't. And I, I don't, I know they're looking at film. I'm, I'm watching the games I'm looking at it and I was like, I don't know what the answer is either. 
the only film I'd be watching this from like 2015. I can't watch any more of these games, at least not on replay. Um, here's what I don't like. And there's a lot. And and forgive me. I am pissy today. It is what it is. This is just, you know, a safe space. We're getting this shit off our chest while we can. Thing number one, my optimism that normally bleeds all over this team is turning on it. Um, I used to say things like, we're getting so unlucky. Uh, the the players who never play well against us are, are beating our asses. Josh Akogi, Josh Green, these guys who should never do it. But now I'm starting to think the reason they're doing that is because we're not that good. Uh, we used to point at things like there's all these clutch games and we've played this, this you know remarkably difficult schedule. But now I think that we were lucky to be in some of those close games. And it doesn't necessarily matter who we play because despite the talent that's on this roster, the rotations and the construction of it might be a little bit off. But the thing that bothers me the most, man, is the fucking hubris. If this team was just losing, fine. I've watched teams lose in the past. But the fact that they're making the same kind of mistakes that they used to make when they were winning 60 plus games is almost unacceptable. I mean, they are still sloppy with the ball. They still wander in and out of effort. In that Toronto game, there was about a 10-minute stretch where they seemingly tried, and they shrunk the gap to 12, and then the effort disappeared again, and it ballooned right back up to 30. So if I'm going to identify a thing that really bothers me is that this team has the hubris of a 65-win team and possibly the talent of a 30-win team, which is getting really hard to watch through. But I'll give you something I do like, okay? They they entered into the year basically with the notion, let's just run it back and it'll be fine. And it seems like after that last loss, that's shifted. Here's Steph explaining that you can no longer expect the same old to give you the same old success. You're not the general manager and you know a lot of things are just going on that you can handle. But do you almost feel like that trade deadline coming up, you've got a certain amount of time to show management to keep things together or they might have to make some major decisions? I mean, we have a standard that's pretty evident that if things stay the same, you know, that's a definition of insanity, right? Keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And shortly following that quote from uh, Steph, we heard from Shams that the Warriors apparently agree that they heard everything 30 had to say and that everybody not named Steph Curry is currently on the table for Golden State. Here's Shams directly. Uh, Chandler made a point. The mindset in Golden State right now is everyone but Steph Curry is <laughs> on the table. That's their mindset. Now, realistically, this, there's an asterisk, asterisk right? Like, Clay Thompson, would they want to keep him long-term and keep him in Golden State? I think that's been their hope. They have not been able to reach a contract extension with him. We've talked about it. Um, and Draymond Green just got back from an extension. Those are their, those have been their three core guys in the front office. They're big fans of Jonathan Kaminga, big fans of Brandon Podzemski. They're big fans of Trace Jackson Davis. But Wiggins and everyone else on that roster except Steph Curry has to be in play for this team. Two blowout losses in a, in a, low, in a row. They haven't even been close in, in these games. And so they're going to be looking to make moves. All right, Maxine. You let me be pissy. I appreciate it. What do you got, man? Anything you like or don't? I, I, it's hard to like anything right now. I, I think the the thing that feels the most optimistic is that Steph, maybe for the first time ever in his career, is coming out and actually saying, "Hey, this is not working." That has me feeling like you know everybody says the team lives or dies by Steph's opinions. Everybody said 
oh, if Draymond goes, it would only be because Steph has said, I'm done with it. So we know that Steph is really the GM of this team. And, you know, the GM comparisons aside, I think the truth of the matter is he runs the team in his own way, primarily by being such a team player that everybody feels like they have a space within the franchise. But I'm starting to see Steph figuring out how to push the team in the direction that it needs to go in, at least publicly figure it out. And that's feeling maybe potentially slightly glass half full to me. Let's also, let's expand the scope. All right. We we start this from 2015 and that glass half empty I gave you makes perfect sense. We start this analysis from, you know, the early 2000s, the early 90s, that period of the we suck under Cohen. And the glass half full is we are panicking and the team is only three games underneath fucking 500. There's far shittier teams that we have watched over the past. They're just not in that same dynastic success that we've become really accustomed to over the last few years. Um, but let's piggyback some of those trade suggestions and those trade quotes and jump into the golden questions because there's a good one here for us. So the golden questions, boys, are our mailbox. People write in, give us things to consider. They are uh, occasionally personal, always deal with the Warriors. And here's the first. This person asks, should the Warriors go all in and trade the future for the present. So they don't give us any like specifically suggested trades. So I'm going to alter it a little bit. I'm going to make this a magic button question. So boys, you have two magic buttons in front of you. You can only press one. If you press the first, the Warriors do everything they can to go all in for this season. They make JK, Moody, Pods available. They make every first round pick between now and 2030 available, and they do anything they can to bring in a second star. Can't say superstar because there's not superstars available, but they go for the likes of Siakam or Markinen or Levine, or maybe even someone like Jared Allen. So I'll say that button one is fuck the future. The present is now. All right. Button number two. This one, if you press it, the Warriors quietly accept that this year is a lost season, at least as far as title uh, contention is concerned. So here, they keep all of their future draft picks in their pocket, and they only look for trades that will help shed salary and maybe make a, the roster a little bit more flexible going in the future. So you'd be willing to trade somebody like Wiggins, but you're not bringing in another player. Instead, you're shedding salary. You're bringing in draft picks. You're basically circling the wagons and getting ready for the future as opposed to the present. All right. So magic button one, future, magic button two, present, MT, which one do you press? Is there a third button anywhere in where, you, where you're sitting? You can create one. I mean, these are all bullshit buttons. So, I mean, if, yeah. if you have a third button you want to throw out, I'm, I'm happy to consider it. I mean, I, I, I push the first button, but I don't push it all the way down, or at least enthusiastically. Um, I think you you have to take advantage of Steph Curry's window. Um, not only does it make sense from a um, basketball standpoint, but you owe it to Steph for what he's done for the franchise to um, help him be as competitive as he can be for uh, the years he has remaining. So I push that button, but I say I push it halfway down because I still, I think you can, there's nobody on the market. Like you were saying, that is a superstar that moves the needle enough that I blow up the future for, I blow up the future for, right? So Siakam is a good player, but he's not blow up the future good. 
Um, you're not, it, there's not like a Anthony Davis, Antetokounmpo, uh, Giannis on the, on the market. So I think the, I think they will trade some of the contracts. You know, you're looking at a Moody and pairing Moody and Wiggins in a draft pick maybe, and you see who you can get back from that. Um, but I don't, I think you have to take advantage of the, of the core now. And I'm a, I, I know Shams is much more tapped in than I am. So um, just acknowledging that, but I don't think Clay and Dre are really on the table. Um, I, I don't think Steph has greenlit those trades. I don't know what my favorite part of that was when you tried to say onto Takupo and then just bailed. That was my later, favorite part. <laughs> when you went in and said, Shams doesn't know more than me, but I know more than Shams, which is incredible. Uh, so nicely played on both. Um, I'll add a third button, ask Steph, because what does it mean, dude? If, if getting into the second round of the playoffs is taking advantage of who, you know, Steph wants to be, you know, that's one thing. Um, but I don't think there's somebody out there who they can bring in, who's going to make them a, a real title contender. Now, I don't believe that this roster is constructed in that way. And so if what we're doing is just trying to make it into an extra round in the playoffs or, you know, make it into that first round and have home court advantage, but not really have a shot at a title, then I don't want to give up all of the assets and everything just to make that extra step. Unless, unless Steph Curry says, this is what I need to do. He's earned that right. And I'm willing to support that. But if we had his flexibility, if he's willing to kind of hold off and he also agrees, there's no one out there now, let's see, you know, let's shed some salary, see what we can do in the off season. I'd go button two. Maxime. I've been thinking this whole time about there was a in, a in a younger life, I was trying to run a really fast mile and I trained super hard for it. And uh, and I went out for the race and in like lap three. So I'm already I'm in a ton of pain. And in lap three, it starts to be clear like, oh, I, I don't quite have it. You know, I, I'm not on pace. I'm not going to really pull it off. I'm not going to make it. So you have to make a decision while you're running. You know, do you basically like pull off a little bit to reduce the pain or do you try to go for it knowing that you're probably not going to make it it's so much easier to make that decision when you're not in the middle of the race than it is right now and you can see i think steph going through the the same kind of discomfort he doesn't have the benefit of an offseason to sit and think about his legacy we came into this season with title hopes not necessarily expectations we knew that it was a more level field but this team was signaling and the first six games continued to signal this is a squad that is capable of making it to a fifth title. We started to have conversations about what it would mean for Steph's legacy. Does that actually put him above LeBron James definitively? All of these things were getting us excited, and then the wheels started to come off. It's so hard right now. I don't know if I were Steph that I would be able to say, ah, yeah, like, let's throw in the towel. I would rather just hang out with my boys, Clay and Draymond. And at the same time, Pascal Siakam, even if we trade for him, he's an unrestricted free agent. This is this is the last year of his contract. He could easily walk, especially if he sees, ah, the locker room vibes aren't exactly what I thought. These guys are a little bit older. Maybe we traded away so much of our youth that there's nothing for me here anyways going forward. And then he walks. I don't know that Siakam or frankly any other trade in the NBA moves the needle enough to get us to a title right now. And so I think Steph is stuck between a rock and a hard place as he's in lap three of his mile here proverbially speaking, that, you know, I, I I think this is why he's so uncomfortable. And I think this is why I'm so uncomfortable and unable to answer the question. Burst of optimism for me. Um, I think that between this team's resources and Steph Curry's talent, 
and their ability to to negotiate the salary cap with Joe Lacob and everything there. I I think that this isn't the end. I just don't think this iteration of this roster is necessarily going to get there. And here's my biggest fear. It's a random ass analogy, but I'll make it. A while back, I watched a Netflix documentary about WeWork, that company that went down. And I learned a phrase. Um, It's an investment phrase, the white whale. So the white whale, if you are a venture capitalist, you, you find a company that you think is going to make you a ton of money and you invest an incredible amount of money into it. And then that small company gets bigger and bigger and bigger and they they ask for more money and the venture capitalist keeps putting money into it. And at some point it tips over. They've invested so much money into the team that they, it has to succeed into the team, into the company that it has to succeed. And so even as they start to recognize that, ooh, this company has problems, they can't pull out. They have to just keep dumping money in. And at the end, both the company fails and the investment capital goes down with them because they they were unable to stop the tide. I'm really worried that this team is going to do that, that they're going to make this roster a white whale. If you put everything into this, if you look at it and decide, all right, every draft pick, everybody, let's put them all on the table, just chasing this year, you could cost yourself the foreseeable future. And I still think they have a future. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a good analogy. Yeah. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I think one of the weird things is we talked about this season having hopes of a championship and of the roster being most reflective of strength in numbers in a long time. And it's actually to our detriment. Um, I don't think that the roster is bad. I think it's the opposite. It's There's too many... Mm players that can arguably have more playing time and it's caused Steve Kerr, you know, an untenable situation and he hasn't managed it well. And, you know, he rightfully should get, um, you know, that blame, but there's too many people like in the first strength in numbers roster, Leandro Barbosa was really good, but not good enough to start. You didn't have to worry about that. Mo Buckets was really good, but off the bench, like here you're fighting with, well, do you put Chris Paul? Do you put pods in there? Kaminga, you know, like there's all these arguments to be made. Do you put Trace Jackson in there? Sarich, like for Loon, like it, it's almost a problem to have this many players that can arguably start and not enough that are really good, but only off in a certain role and off the bench. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I think the criticism on Kerr, another random analogy, um, coaching to me is a lot like medicine. If I have a heart problem, I don't want a foot doctor taking a look at it. You want someone who specializes in your issue. Kerr is very good at very specific things. And the roster he's been given, you know, he's he's been given a foot problem. He's a fucking heart doctor. He does not know how to deal with with the the logjam that you just talked about. He's not great at developing young players. It's not that he's not a great coach is that he's not great at coaching in this circumstance with this roster. And so, you know, again, it's a roster construction issue, a rotation issue. They're not out of it forever. I don't think this is as simple as everyone is too old. I think there's other larger problems. Um, 
which is why I wouldn't go all the way in right now. Time for a way more fun question. Enough pissiness, boys, because this one meant as much to me as well. And I've been waiting to ask it. So some uh, some background. We had John Pajemski join us last week, which, by the way, I didn't get a chance to tell him this. I literally said the word Pajemski 50 to 75 times before he joined us because I had no idea how to say the fucking last name. I looked up Brandon saying it. I looked at Christian Peaks, like all of these people. I typed into Google, how do you pronounce this? Google was of no assistance, but I, I think I only was able to hit it. John joins us and he tells us this great story. And he says that as early as five years old, he was playing competitively with his son. I think miniature golf is what he told us. And that he beat him. That every time, it didn't matter. You know, it was it was a straightforward competition. If five-year-old Brandon was ready to win, he'd, you know, fine. Then his skill set... Uh, took over, but if he wasn't, if John was better, he beat his five-year-old son, which I found entertaining and uh, the basis for this next question, all right? So I'm going to give you guys a Warriors player's name. You tell me if you think that player would allow his five-year-old either son or daughter to beat him, all right? First player, Steph Curry. Maxine, what do you think? Uh, my my initial instinct would be to say y- yes, Steph would let his his five year old son or daughter beat him. But I think the presentation that Steph has is quite different from who he is off the screen. And this dude is a total killer. And I I think he might not be able to do it because he just can't stand to lose. I think the first time he does, I think he lets him win. You know, and then and like and and like gets their confidence up. And then if either of those kids get overly confident, you know, like if they talk a little bit of shit, then that next time it's an ass beating. It's a destroying scenario, <laughs> you know, like, and so it'd be like an exercise in both like, Oh, I'll build you up and I'll tear you down if I need to. MC? I agree. I think he lets them win a few times and then for the rest of their lives, he's cooking them with no mercy because he's just competitive Steph. And I think he knows that's what kind of, you know, like builds, you know, like steel sharpens steel. And he's he's only going to build up a player, you know, his his child to be as good as they can be if, if he doesn't take it easy on them. My grandfather on my dad's side uh, was a hell of a basketball player, played basically pro before that played for Cal and is one of the most like secretly competitive dudes I've ever met. And he lived out in South San Francisco, or I guess not South San Francisco, kind of by the zoo over there. And they had a big enough backyard, and they had essentially early pickleball. I mean, it was kind of like Jimmy rigged and not very big, but you could go back there and play a a game of like ping pong where you stood on the table. And I remember being, I don't know, let's say seven. And he took me back there. It was the first time we're playing. And I go up 10-0. And at the time, I thought it was because I was fucking incredible. I was the best athlete to have ever tried this game. And I told my grandfather that. And I remember the look on his face kind of changed. And, you know, it kind of gave me like a a half-hearted condescending question of like, oh, really? And then the final score was 21 to 10. And I never even got (laughs) close to that ball. And so I learned there, just take the wins. You know, like don't say anything. Otherwise, it can turn fast. Our second player, MT, take this one first. Draymond Green. indefinite suspension he, no i think that's right Post, yes <laughs> i not only think that's right i think pre beats them badly host i think he lets them beat him while they're recording a the podcast yes and he's like showing the world like oh 
if I was such a bad guy, would I be here getting my ass kicked by this three-year-old? No way. So yeah, I, I think that's the right answer. Yeah, they'd probably, uh, you know, show some behind-the-scenes footage of them both crying while they hug each other while their three-year-old son, Draymond Jr., is winning. And they say, like, we came really close to retiring, but Adam Silver came in and said, finish it out. And thank <laughs> God for him. Our next player, Clay Thompson. I'll take this one first. I think Clay would want to let him win or her win. I don't think Clay has any kids, but like either son or daughter, I think he'd start off with the intention of like, yeah, you're going to win. And then somewhere along the line, he forgets who he's playing or forgets his intention and just kind of like gets into the flow of the game, starts paying attention and just beats their ass, you know? And then like kind of wakes up out of it and is, is surprised to find the kids crying, you know, and then like tells them, oh, like next time, let's play again. And then the exact same process plays out. So that's my guess for Clay. <laughs> I think that's the right answer. Yeah, no notes. <laughs> I think he forgets <laughs> and just even tries to miss on purpose, but he's just in the mode and he just uh, makes it. <laughs> he starts feeling himself. You know, like he hits the first one and he, he kind of liked how that <laughs> felt. It's like, huh? And then yeah. just like off he goes, gets sobbing. He doesn't he doesn't really notice that with no ill intent. You know, like he doesn't doesn't want to hurt that kid. I mean, uh, he's doing it now. He saw that shot in the Raptors game when he triple faked and then just shot it from the top of the key and airballed it. And everybody looked at him and he was like, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have shot that. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and also, I'll do it again. Just exactly. so you know. That run 11. Here. Run play 11. <laughs> uh, finish this out with a judgment theater boys make us the topic start with me I'm playing my kid do I let them win no yeah. I don't think you do I think I think you've learned you already let the cat out of the bag by telling the story about your grandfather that's clearly a core memory for you and uh, and you understand the value of teaching that early yeah I'm gonna say no um, I think there's only one player on the Warriors roster that lets their kid win Ooh. if you were on the Warriors roster it that would still be true. Um, Wiggins. <laughs> I think, but I think he still tries and yeah, he still it's only loses. because It's oh. only because Wiggins couldn't beat his kid. Oh. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, like, it, it was what it is. And, and I'm not I'm not jumping down that white roll. I'm, I'm very sad about the Wiggins thing and refuse to participate in it. So instead, here's what I'll say. Both of you are surprisingly wrong. All right. And I do a version almost of the clay thing. It's not that I forget. Um, so my, like, everything gets flipped with me as a dad. I can't explain to you why. And so I've allowed Kylie to win everything to the point where she's now completely delusional. Um, she played soccer in the backyard with a little boy who was five years older than her. And when they started, she turned to the boy and said, I am incredible at soccer. And it's because she's beaten me 50 times in a row. That little boy beat her ass. And she looked at me and said, you're terrible at soccer. She's like talking about me. And so like, <laughs> I've had, I've learned, we're like, you know what? Okay, I got to show you, like, I got to show her. It's okay to lose sometimes. And um, I want her to get better at competition. And so I'll go into each one of these things and be like, all right, this is the time you're going to beat her. And then I fucking lose. I feel like I feel too bad. I don't want her to feel defeat at my hand. So I'm a giant wuss, maybe a bad dad, but I always let her win. And you're um, also terrible at soccer. So that makes I sense. Am that, yeah. that little boy beat my ass too, which is unfortunate <laughs> for everybody. You know, I have a, I know how much you don't like random questions, so sorry, but I have one golden question that I'd like Please. to ask. Um, put you on the spot. Over under, how many times does Mike Dunleavy Jr. talk to Bob Myers before the trade deadline per week? Unless, one. yeah, fuck that. Unless Bob Myers is recruiting Mike Dunleavy Jr. for the Washington Commanders, I don't think they're going to be talking at all. I'm also, do either of you know 
did Bob Meyer's family move to Washington? Because I was told that he was leaving here because he wanted to spend more time with his fucking daughters. And it turns out that is complete harshit bullshit. Uh, so I take the under, but I'll give you another um, golden question. All right. And it's an either or. If somebody is going to make that decision, that magic button pressing call that we made earlier, right? It's not going to be one of us three. If you had to pick one of these following two to, to make the decision, who would you pick? Mike Dunley Jr. or Joe Lacob? Because I think that's who it's going to come down to, right? So if it was up to you boys, if we were going to hand the, the ultimate decision making on what trades get made during this, this trade deadline stretch, who would you pick? Look, I, I think both are aware, at least as aware as we are, of the implications of the trade landscape, of the unlikelihood of this of whatever we do leading to a title. Joe Lacob's going to make the decision based on what's going to put the most amount of money in his pocketbook. And ultimately, Dunleavy Jr. is going to do the same thing, but his route to making the most amount of money possible in his career is to have a successful basketball franchise that he stewards into the future. Right. So ultimately, as a fan of basketball and not a fan of how much money Joe Lacob has, I want it to be Dunleavy Jr. Yeah, I think the he like we give Mike Dunleavy Jr. a hard time, but credit is deserved. His draft class is his first one as GM. It was amazing. Like pods and, and TJD, you know, like you have to give them credit as amazing picks. Um, I think they're high value. They're players that will be around for a long time. So um if I have to pick one, I pick Mike Dunleavy Jr. And I'm just giving him a hard time because he's in a really tough situation. And I think Bob Myers saw that coming. And I would call him once a week just to be like, I, you saw this coming. You need to talk to me about what you would do, too. I'll give Mike D a little bit of a harder time than that. Um, you know, he handed a heart doctor a foot problem. I mean, you know, yes, that first class is good. But this roster construction, for the reasons we've already covered, isn't the best, you know? Um, I also, I don't envy what his power dynamic looks like in there. You know, I mean, I don't know anything. I haven't I haven't talked to Mike D once. I don't know Joe Lacob. Who knows how that stuff plays out? But just uh, on the outside looking in, and they, so, you know, let's take it this magic button thing. I see them both in a room and Mike D being like, yep, I take button two. And Lacob being like, no, you take button one. And Mike D being like, yep, I take button one. And there's president <laughs> hell of time. He's like, bah, 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 bah. and that's it. I hope it's not true, but I think it might actually be. I, I'm sticking with the things that made me laugh. I'm going back to the Judgment Theater. We're going back over to Marcus this time. My guess on Marcus is half and half. I think he lets them win the first time. Then that next time he beats them. And then the next time he lets them win. And the next time he beats them. And, and not, not alternating, but I think that he shades it. I think he goes both ways. He tries to build up the ego while also teaching, you know, it's okay to lose. Yeah, I think that's my experience of Marcus too, right? He's such a level-headed guy. I think he's actually, he's capable of both being highly competitive. <laughs> both being highly competitive and also understanding what it takes to be a good parent. What's the truth? Um, I don't know. It's it's kind, it's kind of a little bit of both. So uh, my daughter's only three. I only have one. And <clears throat> so I'm still learning, I guess, what my answer is. But as of right now, it's age dependent. While she's this young, I let her win every time. There's going to be a change that I think is coming where when she's old enough that she needs to learn how to lose and 
and be competitive that I'm going to flip the switch and I'm not going to let her win until she can beat me. I like it. Um, I wish it's something that I could put into play. Turns, I mean, who knows? Maybe when she's like 13, I'll start taking the, the loss a little bit harder. Which brings <laughs> us to Maxine. Hard one. MT, take this one first. That is hard. I think... I think Maxime lets his child win, um, but also teaches the importance of of hard work and you know, like not not always learning how to lose graciously. So I think I think he threads the needle and you know does a good job of balancing both. But I think at the end of the day, he's he's going to be too supportive and like you, he's going to want to win, but. It's going to be too hard to see that look on his child's face. More than anything, I'm just happy you didn't call him level-headed. I I think that Maxime is very similar. I think it's going to be the same thing. Um, I think you're going to go in the way I did, thinking like, ah, it wouldn't be bad for this kid to have a little humble pie. And then the second you see some disappointment on his face as it plays out, you know, you score that first goal, whatever it is, (laughs) that analysis gets flipped right on its head. And it's no longer logic. It's all emotion and you let them win. And then the, the same process starts. I mean, I, I am preaching my own. It's like, I'm reading my fucking diary, you know, but like, that's how it plays for me. And I'm pretty sure it's how it will play for you. It's a, it's a little rhetorical now, unless you're already beating your son who is less than a couple of weeks old, but let's find out what's been going on. Yeah. 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 It's a good point. I eventually we'll find out, but um, you're probably right. I love this kid more than anything. You would look at to your parents at this point, and my dad would never, ever let me win. He didn't care how miserable I looked at anything. He was like, just shut shut up and, and do the work. Um, whereas my mom would do anything for me. So who knows if I have more of my mom or my dad, only time will tell. But I am ultimately worried that I might try to, uh, to win because I get too competitive, and it turns out I'm more of a Wiggins than I thought, and just lose to my three-year-old son trying as hard as I can. <laughs> We actually have footage of Maxime dunking on his infant son in the Nerf hoop at his house. If we can roll that now, it'd be great to have that out there. Um, I also liked the subtle implication just with you opening up with, well, I do love my son, that fuck you, level-headed Marcus. It turns out you don't love your, your daughter. <laughs> you're Here's how my answer differs. <laughs> Can't win them all. Um, <laughs> Man, this episode was much better in the last 10 minutes than it was during the first 15. You know what? Let's just retake that thing. I'm in a much better mood now. I mean, I, I'm sure I can pull out some glass half-fulls. Things are going to work out fine, Dub Nation. Don't you worry about any of that. Um, yeah, I appreciate you, boys. I needed uh, both a sounding board to get some of these concerns out of my head, but also a place to relax and enjoy myself, and I think we hit both. Um, so for people out there, I'd like to get us a question. Let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job, weigh in on the magic button thing. Uh, you can send us an email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We're also on social media sites everywhere. You can guess under what look up warriors huddle. You'll find us with that in mind. Go warriors. Hopefully see you real soon.
Good, good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.